Teenage Men. We are back. Uh, we've had, what, two weeks break? Thereabouts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're back. So, awesome. <laughs> um, what are you drinking tonight, gents? I am drinking just pure, straight Pepsi Max. What are you guys drinking? There you go. Uh, I'm on a uh, Bolter's XPA, which is rather delicious. Ooh. That looks nice. Yeah. Bad. Uh, I've been experimenting with Irishing up my coffees. Um, Irishing so up your coffee. This is just a nice coffee with Kahlua in it, which honestly doesn't taste that great. I think Kahlua is too sweet for me, but I'll try something <laughs> else next week <laughs> if you does it contain milk yeah because it's like an iced coffee so why wouldn't you make a white russian because uh, i don't have any vodka in the house Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> how can you not have vodka in the house um because until recently i did have vodka in the house <laughs> Look, I thought that when you bought a copy of any Dostoevsky book, it came with a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I should have got like three seven of them. I should have got a seven of them with my Christmas present. I got ripped off. Exactly. <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> uh, okay, so. Plato. Let's continue. I reckon we just jump straight in. And, Let's um, do it. What? paragraph are we up to on your version lock did you say it was 30 I'm not talking about yeah but that's just that it's my own notation so uh <laughs> take that okay. as you will well, well on, our, on our last on our last episode he finished his defense um and then now fast forwards to after a vote has been taken yep yeah yep and he's convicted um, that's helpful for those reading along at home on the book uh, we're up to page 28, and it's the second last paragraph on that page. And while we're here, just shout out to Eli. Um, guys, you'll be happy to know. So uh, my friend at work, Eli, we got him a copy of the book, and uh, it's got some signatures in there from the three of us, and um, <laughs> he was super chuffed about that. So, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, um, it's that book. He has a copy. It's signed. As a happy guy. So I think that's the first official signed anything that we've done for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably be the last two, but you know, you never know. But um, that was pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll read. Uh, should I read the first paragraph or the first two? Uh, yeah, first two. I think first two yeah. makes sense. Yeah. All right, here we go. There are many reasons why I am not grieved, O men of Athens, at the vote of condemnation. I expected it, and am only surprised that the votes are so nearly equal. For I had thought that the majority against me would have been far larger. But now, had 30 votes gone over to the other side, I should have been acquitted. And I may say, I think, that I have escaped Miletus. I may say more, for without the assistance of Anitus and Lycan, anyone may see that he would not have had a fifth part of the votes, as the law requires, in which case he would have incurred a fine of a thousand drachma. 
and so he proposes death as a penalty. And what shall I propose on my part, O men of Athens? Clearly that which is my due. And what is my due? What return shall be made to the man who has never had the wit to be idle during his whole life, but has been careless of what the many care for, wealth and family interests, and military officers, and speaking in the assembly, and magistracies, and plots, and parties. Reflecting that I was really too honest a man to be a politician and live, I did not go where I could do no good to you or to myself, but where I could do the greatest good privately to every one of you. Thither I went and sought to persuade every man among you that he must look to himself and seek virtue and wisdom before he looks to his private interests, and look to the state before he looks to the interests of the state, and that this should be the order which he observes in all his actions. What shall be done to such an one, doubtless some good thing, O men of Athens, if he has his reward, and the good should be of a kind suitable to him. What would be a reward suitable to a poor man who is your benefactor, and who desires leisure that he may instruct you? There can be no reward so fitting as maintenance in the Britannium, O men of Athens, a reward which he deserves far more than the citizen who has won the prize at Olympia in the horse or chariot race, whether the chariots were drawn by two horses or by many. For I am in want, and he has enough, and he only gives you the appearance of happiness, and I give you the reality. And if I am to estimate the penalty fairly, I should say that maintenance in the Pritanium is the just return. Did I say that right, Pritanium? No idea. It looks good though. It sounds good. It's the only word I looked at. I'm like, I'm clutching this. I'm clutching <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Um, you'd be happy to know I looked up um, Pritanium just... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very as is my thing to do. <laughs> would, would you like me to uh, to share the info? I would love that. Please. <laughs> um, so more or less, anyway. Uh, Socrates has sort of said that um, he's done the right thing, not the wrong thing. So he should get a uh, a, a good reward rather than a punishment, which is um, you know obviously what's going to be put on him since he's now been sort of basically found guilty of the crime. So, um, so he's saying that he should be, um, um, maintained in the Puritanium. So that was like a local town hall for, for cities in Greece. So each city would have one, um, official guests would be received there and meetings and feasts would take place. Um, so this is also where like the winners of the Olympic games would go and they'd meet and celebrate their wins, which is what he's kind of referring to. So effectively he's saying that the government should basically look after him and feed him in, um, deference to his service. So, you know, good old Socrates is, uh, looking for a free feed at the buffet again. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, he's like, my punishment should be a free feed and basically access to talk to anyone I want to, um, of, you know, of high society. <laughs> that's pretty much what he's asking. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, that's like obviously like completely audacious and uh, he's either trolling the court and Miletus by like countering with like something that's like so absurd um, or he's like completely believing his stance that I, I have actually done this good and like that's actually something I think you should do for me. So, <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, you know, it looks like he's not really taking the uh, the charge too seriously at this point in time, and he's um, suggesting a buffet. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he's definitely being a smartass because right at the start there, he's like, I, I, he's like, I can't believe how the votes went. You guys only won by thirty, and then he and then he uses it to have another go at this my my latest guy, like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's just been on this guy since the start. Is there any depiction <laughs> of Miletus? Like, not sure, but from what, from what I'm gleaning from it, there's like they must have had a rule where if you don't get a certain amount of votes, you get fined for bringing a stupid thing before the court. And he's basically saying, if you guys, if you didn't have these two chaps with you, Miletus, you would have just got fined because you're an idiot. <laughs> he's giving it to yeah. him. <laughs> I'm trying to find a picture of uh, of Miletus. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know the accusers. Miletus. All right, let's see if there's a food. Well, obviously not a photo, but if, let's see if there's a uh, an image of Miletus. Images. Oh, that's a great image. Uh, was was he getting kind of like hacked on for his looks at the start? I can't quite remember. I think we might have talked about that. Yeah, a couple of episodes ago. I think it might have been in the commentary of this book. Yeah, I'm not sure if there is, um, but there's some pretty cool pictures on the old Google. Um, oh my god! Yeah, this is um, it's like an got... anime of Socrates. Oh, really? I'm watching I it. I know this was a thing. <laughs> um, Let's watch it. I'm going to see if I can save the image to my desktop. So this is what my commentary says in my this extra little book that I found in a second-hand bookshop on, on, on the death of Socrates. Yeah. Uh, second class is represented by the man who actually brought him to trial. Of these, Miletus was a tragic poet. Young, obscure, and unattractive in appearance... That's, that's all it says about him. There you go. So can you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah, right. What's that? Oh, it's like a comic, not a, not a cartoon. Yeah, like, I, yeah, okay. Graphical I used the wrong word. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pollard. <laughs> hide overlay. There we go. I've never done that in this podcast before. That's a podcast first. I'm just finding an image and throwing it on the screen. But, um, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I love how he's having a dig at him. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? But, yeah, I do like how he's, um, he's like, you guys are the same death. And the next thing he says is, like, all you have to do is wait. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm 70. I think he's basically like 70 by this point. Yeah. <laughs> It's like seventy. It's gonna happen sooner or later. Just, <laughs> just leave me at the buffet in the meantime, okay, boys? Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah I can imagine he's like fat and unfit as well. Yeah, and he's basically yeah. saying, "Look at me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> just wait." Just leave me at the buffet. 
Cholesterol will get me. Yeah. Check me into the RSL, okay? Maybe that's what he's getting at. He's like, you guys want me dead. Just put me on that buffet. We're just going to speed things up. Yeah. <laughs> he ate himself to death. Absolutely. Actually, that, that could be a bad punishment to make a philosopher do because of the whole uh, don't eat to excess mentality. It's like your sure. punishment is to eat to excess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> No, you're, I think you're spot on. I think he's being a smart aleck. I think he's having a dig. And um, any chance he can get to have a, a crack at Miletus, he does. And it's just funny. I wonder if Miletus is mentioned anywhere else or if it's only in here. I uh, remember researching that briefly before we started the book and there, there wasn't a lot about him. Okay. Um, I think that... Basically, he's known for being just a bit of a shill, to be honest, and not particularly noteworthy. Do you reckon Miletus was like an old-fashioned term like Karen? Yeah, you know what? You know, you, you could see something like that. Like, that guy's being a Miletus. That's it, yeah. <laughs> we need to bring it back. <laughs> Someone's just being an asshole in the Agora. Come on, Miletus. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. The, um... I, I like, I really like this. I think this is probably the, the, the most uh, important bit of the paragraph of that bit we just read is when he says, the difficulty, my friends, is not to avoid death, but to avoid unrighteousness. Because that's in a nutshell, like everything that he's been talking about the whole time. Yeah. Do you reckon it was politicians in the jury? Because he has a crack at them too. Yeah, it would have been, I reckon. I'm too honest a man to be a politician and live. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't remember how many people, how many people voted. I can't remember, but I think it's a lot. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. Yeah, it, I remember we were looking at that earlier. Um, it sounded like it was a pretty decent sort of, you know, number of people who'd be in attendance for this thing. Oh yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't be like a thousand because you can like pick out people in the crowd and he's, you know, naming them, you know, there's such and such and all this sort of thing. So yeah. some accounts say 500 or 501. Yeah. Right. Some of them. <laughs> that's what they reckon. So I don't know how they could possibly know that, but that's what they reckon. Yeah. Okay. But out of They're 500, he, he, he lost by 30. They probably uh, worked out the, the building that they used and how big it was how much space there was, and they're like, yeah, that's probably about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that you never know if it's quite accurate, like the number of times Caesar was stabbed. Like, did they miss count? Sure. Like, did they miss one? It's an estimate. <laughs> Can you imagine that as a system, though? Like, cause, like, he went to great length earlier on talking about... You know, I'm not going to try to just persuade you and use rhetoric. I'm just going to try to talk about like carry like. But can you imagine why that is the case? If you've just got like 500 people, it just becomes a popularity test at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you can decide if you're guilty or not. Hmm. Yeah, it's I suppose and that's that's kind of the opposite of his philosophy too, from the Republic. It is, but I guess that's why he makes that statement too. Like, oh. I'm, I'm surprised the vote was so even, you know, like, I thought it was like a popularity contest here. 
Yeah. <laughs> Stack the deck, Miletus. That's your style, right? Who <laughs> <laughs> imagine this Miletus bloke? He wins. Socrates dies, but like, you can just imagine him just stewing over that for the rest of his days. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, it'd just be like, as he's dying, you know, Socrates go, Miletus. Or he just comes closer and Miletus comes closer and he's facing just farts. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like, pull my finger. Yeah. <laughs> Miletus, pull my finger. <laughs> wow. I think that's why he's painted in... Um... Raphael's room with the finger up. Yeah, that's it. It's the wonder ball. That's it. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Sorry, we uh, we we took this so highbrow, peeps. Oh, so. totally highbrow. So, <laughs> okay. So we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Okay. I think we we can move on. We'll do the next paragraph. Perhaps you think that I am braving you in what I'm saying now, as in what I said before about the tears and prayers. But this is not so. I speak rather because I am convinced that I never intentionally wronged anyone, although I cannot convince you. The time has been too short. If there were a law at Athens, as there is in other cities, that a capital cause should not be decided in one day, then I believe that I should have convinced you but I cannot in a moment refute great slanders. And as I am convinced that I never wronged another, I will assuredly not wrong myself. I will not say of myself that I deserve any evil or propose any penalty. Why should I? Because I am afraid of the penalty of death which Miletus proposes? When I do not know whether death is a good or an evil, why should I propose a penalty which would certainly be an evil. Shall I say imprisonment? And why should I live in prison and be the slave of the magistrates of the year, of the eleven? Or shall the penalty be a fine and imprisonment until the fine is paid? There is the same objection. I should have to lie in prison for money I have none and cannot pay. And if I say exile, and this may possibly be the penalty which you will affix, I must indeed be blinded by the love of life if I am so irrational as to expect that when you, who are my own citizens, cannot endure my discourses and words and have found them so grievous and odious that you'll have no more of them, others are likely to endure me. No, indeed, men of Athens, that is not very likely. And what a life should I lead at my age, wandering from city to city, ever changing my place of exile and always being driven out. For I'm quite sure that wherever I go, there as here, the young men will flock to me, and if I drive them away, their elders will drive me out at their request. And if I let them come, their fathers and friends will drive me out for their sakes. Interesting. You know, that kind of reminds me of that part in the New Testament where... Um, Jesus says you, you can't be a prophet in your own town or something like that. Do you remember that verse, Ruben? No, not so bad. Ah, he, 
the reason I know this verse right is I used to work under a guy. His name is David, and he was a legend. And I worked under him for seven years as a safety guy. And then I wanted to move into operations. And he told me, you can only do that if you do it in a different building. And I was like, why is that? And he goes, well, when Jesus went to Nazareth, everyone said, oh, that's the carpenter. They couldn't see the Messiah. He's like, so you can't be you can't be a, a ops manager instead of a safety guy in the same building because they're just going to look at you and see the carpenter. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if that's the moral of the story from the New Testament passage, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, I'll have to try and find it because yeah, it's. Uh, anyway, what what are your guys' thoughts while I Google that? It's, um, it's pretty funny. I mean, I, I think, you know, this passage, you know, we are obviously talking about potential punishments and all that sort of stuff again. And um, it's quite funny because he, he brings up exile in here and it's more or less kind of calling out that that's, you know, quite possibly the likely punishment for him, which if you think about it, um if that's what he was sort of allotted, you know, or, you know, better than death, um, you know, and I don't know, he's trying to talk around some of those other sort of punishments saying they're not a great thing, but he's basically talking them out of exiling him as well. And uh, it's quite interesting, but he's almost putting the jury in the position where really like the only sort of fitting response is really either letting him off or following through with what Miletus wants, which is death. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think that's a good read on it. Yeah, it's um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it's a funny thing to do, particularly where they've already found him guilty, right? Mm. So they're not going to let him go. So. I don't know. I, I, you know, I guess, you know, we're, we're sort of fine. You know, he, he's a man who wants to stick by his philosophy and uh, all that sort of thing. So, but I don't know, maybe he just doesn't, doesn't think they're going to follow through the death thing anyway. So he's still sort of <laughs> yeah, like toying with them a bit or something. I'm not too sure. I, I, do, know, what like, do, you reckon? I do like, um, I do like how he, his reasoning around exile is like, yeah, you can exile me. And he's like, but why would I recommend that when yeah. I'm just going to do the same shit somewhere else hmm. and they're just going to do the same thing to me there? Yeah, he's like, that would just be irrational. Like, he's, he's basically saying that, that makes no sense. I'm not going to I'm not gonna suggest it. But, yeah, you're right. He's, he's basically, he's kind of arguing that, um, you know, you're not, uh, you really don't have much of an option, you guys. <laughs> but even with the fine, like, he's like, oh, you know, you could fine me, but I don't have any money. I can't pay a fine. Yeah, that cracked me up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but there probably would have been people there that would have paid a fine, like for him. I think he addresses that in the next paragraph, actually. Yeah, he, de he definitely talks about that later. But, um, yeah, look, uh, in prisons, obviously, uh, it, it's quite funny. Like, it's like, fuck, I'm not going there, you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I'm too pretty for prison. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there you go. There's a meme we can do. Let's head to Socrates. Too pretty for prison. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry, go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the line too, I must indeed be blinded by my love of life. So he comes back to that again. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, um, it's like he's disregarded so much through his philosophy because he doesn't want to be dependent on it. He's like, uh, he's like I won't even allow myself to be ten- dependent on the love of life mm-hmm. because yeah. he's, I think he sees that as almost like an affront to wisdom, which is pretty, pretty extreme, but interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a detachment mentality. Yeah. Um, that verse was Mark 6, 4, which, again, podcast verse, I've got it on the screen. So it's, uh, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Mm-hmm. So when I first read that, I was like, oh, it's basically the same problem. <laughs> but, um, well, it's the same problem. Wherever, you know, by the end of Christ's journey, he got crucified as well. So, why his own people? Theme, yeah, yeah. I think the um, other interesting thing that he, he brings up here is about you know um, not knowing whether death is a a good or bad thing too. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And I guess. You know, if we think back to um, the Republic when they're talking about death there and what they were speculating what happens, you know, you, you know, that feel that you might meet the fates and, I don't know, I guess, um, you know, discuss because they, they, they were sort of going through something of, uh, um, what do you call it, um, what's that, like rebirth, uh, what do you call that, reincarnation or something like that, is what, what it sort of sounded like um, yeah. was part of the, the, the Greek philosophy or something. So so I guess he's sort of saying, you know, if I'm going to be there and I'm going to get um, going to get judged and I've lived a good life, like, or what reason do I have to be scared of death? Yeah, he goes into it. He actually talks about that a little bit, not the reincarnation bit, but what his attitude is on death very shortly, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... But once again, like he's coming back to that, all I know is that I don't know anything because he's like trying to weigh up different sentences and whether they're good or bad or whatever. And he's like, well, I can't really comment on death because I don't know whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. I also like his logic around the... He's screwed both ways. Like, if he tells the young blokes, go away, I'm not going to help you, then he'll get wrecked for not helping anybody and if he does help him he gets wrecked for helping people like doesn't matter because yeah, he's going against the um the oracle of delphi and god if he doesn't follow through on his on his mission yep or he goes against the uh yeah the people in the government if he continues his queries yeah enter the blues brothers meme with socrates and plato on a mission from god that's it <laughs> That should be a T-shirt. Yeah, I can make <laughs> in the Bluesmobile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm drawing the uh, tattoos on the knuckles while he's driving. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll keep going. If yep. you guys are happy. Yeah, go for it. Someone will say, "Yes, Socrates." cannot you hold your tongue and then you may go into a foreign city and no one will interfere with you 
Now, I have great difficulty in making you understand my answer to this, for if I tell you that to do as you say would be a disobedience to the God, and therefore that I cannot hold my tongue, you will not believe that I am serious. And if I say again that daily to discourse about virtue, and of those other things about which you hear me examining myself and others, is the greatest good of man, and that the unexamined life is not worth living, you are still less likely to believe me. Yet I say what is true, although a thing of which it is hard for me to persuade you. Also, I have never been accustomed to think that I deserve to suffer any harm. Had I money, I might have estimated the offence at what I was able to pay, and not have been much worse, uh, much the worse. But I have none, and therefore I must ask you to proportion the fine to my means. Well, perhaps I could have formed a meaner, and therefore I propose that penalty. Plato, Crito, Critobulus, and Apollodorus, my friends here, bid me say thirty minae, and they will be the sureties. Let thirty minae be the penalty, for which sum they will be ample security to you. Not um, that currency means anything to me. Have you looked at that bottle? Yeah, I did. Um, so there's a, a hundred drachmae to the uh, minia, and uh, both were measures of silver. Um, so you could have, you know, a hundred small pieces of silver that would add up to, um, you know, one minia. I can't remember what the measure was, but there was a certain weight of silver that it sort of added up to for a drachme and for a, the minia. So um, just to put it into context, so um, I, uh, they were saying like, uh, I looked up a couple of sources and they just said that a, um, a skilled labourer could earn one drachme a day, an unskilled labourer would earn half a drachme a day. Um, and if you wanted to buy like a basic tunic at the uh, Agora, that was like 10 drachme. And then uh, if you wanted to buy like the fancy purple robes, like all the important people in the in the courts in Athens would wear, they would be something like three minia. So a ton more expensive. Um, and there's a bit of conversation about like how big the divide was between the, uh, uh, the poor and the wealthy in Athens. But in any case, um, you know, he's talking about something that was like 10 times a fancy robe um, was kind of what it was. So, you know, for the average punter who doesn't have a lot of money, it's probably like a shit ton of coin. Um, but for probably some of like the wealthy elites who are around Athens, it's probably not that big a fine, if you know what I mean. So, um, you know, for Socrates, it's, it's probably a decent lick of cash, you know, so he's, he's actually probably putting up something that's like would actually be kind of punishing for him, but he's probably yeah, thinking, I can probably snag that from the mates though, like because he's sort of implying that anyway, right? Like, yeah, you guys will take me out on uh, Glaucon. Well, I think he's saying, um, if a fine were appropriate, I'd just he's like, I haven't got any money, but if a fine were appropriate, I'd pretty, I think he's pretty much saying, I'd give you all my money, yeah. I think he's going back again to, I don't care about money, so take it all sure. if, if that will satisfy you. But, yeah, you're right. Then he's like, but my mates have a lot more money in there. I'm willing to put it up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Smooshing again. <laughs> oh, his, his mates are in the crowd. Go, come on, dude. Fair go. 
<laughs> you chariot to pay off yet, mate? Yeah, at this point, Plato exited the arena. No. <laughs> I don't know this guy. <laughs> He's not with me. Yeah. <laughs> I do like uh, you guys. Um, couldn't like couldn't Socrates? Couldn't you just like shut up? He's like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, he has another dig at him because he's like, uh, if I were to, he's like, I don't know what to say to you because if I said to you that being quiet was disobedience to the gods, you wouldn't believe me because you just convicted me of being an atheist. So yeah. I can't say that to you. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're right. Like he's not, yeah. Reading that sentence on its own, you're like, yeah, actually, good point. <laughs> um, but that's a, what they need after that. That's a really famous line. That's like, you know, the thing that you always hear attributed to Socrates. Yeah. The, um, the unexamined life is not worth living. Mm. Um, so that's supposed to be a big deal. Yeah, he sort of comes back to that right at the very end too. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering if he's putting that in there because he's just said, well, I can't appeal to the gods because you don't believe that I believe in them. Yeah. So it's almost like a personal appeal is like um, the unexamined life is not worth living. And he's like, mm. he's like, and if that's true, I really got very little to do with what the gods say. That's something that you've just got to confront yourself almost. I don't know whether that's where he's coming from with it, but... Well, I, mean, I think he's just saying that, like, they're, they're not interested in what the greatest good is anyway. So, like, why would they care about any of this stuff? Like, like I, unless I, like, bow down to, I don't know, and buckle on my my beliefs or what have you, there's nothing I say that's going to change your, your view anyway. So what do you want? You want some coin? Have some coin. Take my money. Yeah. It's, 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 it's probably a little frustration, but I mean, at the, at the same time, it, it still sounds flippant to read, but, um, but maybe that's just how he's trying to point out like this, this stuff's just not relevant. And we're trying, I'm trying to do something that's more important than any of this bullshit that you're coming up with. But yeah. why am I going to convince you? Like oh, you've already found me guilty of some trumped up BS so I'm just, you're right. Actually in that context, it's almost like that second thing, that second line is a dig as well. When he says an unexamined life is not worth doing because he's, he's just said, you're not going to believe me about the gods and you're not going to believe me about this either. Mm. But what he's just said to them is you should take time to seek the highest virtue, which is, and you get there by examining your own life. And he said, but you're not going to believe that either. So yeah, he's, had, he's basically just had another go at him, hasn't he? Pretty much. Yeah, I think so. Like, you're right. He's like, you guys don't care. You... <laughs> no, but you care about money. So do, do you want money? Like, Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's exactly what's going on. I didn't really see that the first time I read through it. That's clever. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, if you had to break it down, it's almost like saying, well, you don't care what the gods say, despite saying that everyone has to believe in them. And you don't care about what's good for you, despite knowing what's good for you. So do you want some cash? If I give, some, give you some cash, will you leave me alone? Will that make yeah. you happy? Like it's very condescending in a way, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> I like it. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Timmy? No, you're exactly right. That's what he's doing. Um, the unexamined life quote is one that you do see a lot. And it certainly has... Like, when you hear that, you go, ooh, yeah, he's on to something there. Um, yeah. Do you think... If something like that is true, do you think that's why... A bit of a side shift here. Um, like, the three of us went and saw Peterson a while ago. Do you think that's why he sells out all over the world? Because this is actually true to self-examine and what he's getting people to do is actually self-examine? Um, yeah, mate, I do. I think there is something in that. Um, but when you look at everything that Plato says, I mean, Socrates says as well about, you know, money's not important, fame is not important, power is not important, or what's important is virtue. Um, you can almost see a parallel there with, um, and this is me being a bit preachy, the way our society is structured, like it's very, very, very materialistic, mm. you know. I think, I think most people would agree that it's pretty materialistic at this point. Like what, you know, what, what do people value power and money? Um, so I, it, I think there is something in what you're saying there because something, the attraction to something like those Peterson talks is something that's a little bit more akin to virtue, something that's a little bit more akin to a transcendent, transcendent value rather than um, money and cars and what whatnot. I think people realise, or maybe people are realising that those things don't satisfy. Yeah, I think so. Because hmm. um, listening to, like, Graham Hancock uh, talk to Joe Rogan, um, he his attitude is that the thing that's wrong with the West right now is... And, and what his belief is that, that he's been told through shamans is that we've lost the connection with spirit. But I'm not sure that's entirely right. I think the... What, what am I trying to say? The, the religious experience, whatever it might be, generally speaking, is about trying to pursue something good and bigger than you. So maybe that's the same motivation do you get what the do you get what i'm trying to draw i feel like i'm drawing a stick figure instead of the mona lisa but i'm trying to say like the, there's a in spirituality you're trying to seek virtue but in philosophy you're seeking virtue obviously in the, the mainstream religions there's uh, the need for seeking what's virtuous and good so do you think that's just a part of being human is under, once you understand that you have to do that self-examined life, that you have to pursue something greater. That's that's why it's being misunderstood. Maybe as you need connection with the spirit or a spirit. Do you, do you think that's where the spiritual desire is coming from for people for spirituality? I think it's just people um, looking for meaning 
in life, right? And realizing that they're not finding it in plastic success. Um, and that there's something more that they want out of themselves or out of life. And, um, you know, you might find that through um, spirituality and religion. You might find it from some elements of that from self-reflection and, and uh, morals and virtue. And um, so I think, yeah, there's obviously, yeah, something that's, that, that's calling to you there, yeah, whatever think- it is. I think I know what I, how I want to say it now. So, um, like Karl Marx was really good at identifying a problem, yeah. and then his solution was garbage. <laughs> so, and and there's other solutions that are put forward for people by people for the same problems, right? And so I wonder if this is a similar thing where we understand material things aren't the answer, like hmm. thing, you know things that are produced like toy cars and real cars and all that sort of stuff they're not meaningful at that level that we're craving or looking for and so peterson's coming to the table with hey all that stuff you deep down inside you know that's not meaningful and people are like okay yep and so they go so this is my proposition and then and, and i think that's what i was trying to get at is so then other people are like, well, you know, what you need for there is to, you know, go on a freaking DMT trip. And other people are like, you need spirituality. And other people are like, you need this. So I think it's just, that's what I'm trying to say, is like it's a, it's a good identification of the problem. And Socrates here has identified the problem, but they don't want to acknowledge the problem. And so they're just doubling down and going, no. Nah, get wrecked and that's why it's going well do you do you want my ones do you want my stuff you can have my stuff you can have my friend's stuff because that's that money that stuff that's not gonna do any good for me because i know it's not the ultimate good do you think that i got a long i took a long way to get to the point but i think that's right <laughs> Ruben, you look no, I, do. I, I see i see what you're saying I, um if i had to try to Important that or simplify it, I would say that, that, that people, humans, men, women, whatever, um, fundamentally crave meaning and purpose. Like that's the way we are. However, you want to think of us as being created or developed, that's the fundamental part of our human nature that we crave meaning and we crave purpose. And um, yep. um, you're going to find it somewhere and somehow. Like I think about that with like, all the woke stuff you see these days. I think a charitable way to look at that is if you wanted to look at it charitably, and I'm not suggesting that <laughs> you should or shouldn't do that, but if you want to look at it charitably, those people, those ones that are screaming and jumping up and down about um, whatever, racism or sexism or homophobia or whatever, um, I do think that what they're craving is a sense of purpose and virtue. They're just maybe not they may be just tilting at the wrong thing. They're just charging at the wrong thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's the perceived good that they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, I think I sort of agree with you in the sense too, to me that you're like, yeah, there's some people don't admit the problem at all, 
but I, I think everyone should at the very at least agree that we do seek meaning and purpose. I, I, I don't I don't think there's a real excuse for denying that. I mean, you can yeah. tie yourself in knots and, and try to claim that there is no meaning and there is no purpose, but I just I don't think that I don't think that follows. Like, that's almost a self-defeating statement, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the the people going to those talks have at least taken that first step of okay, let's let's do some self-reflection and you know as peterson says like try and put yourself together so they're, they're going okay i'm going to examine my life what are the things i've done wrong what are some things i can do to make life better hmm. and um and they start trying to put themselves together and so that's encouraging that that's happening um at the moment for people and i think Similarly, you can see with Socrates, there were guys there trying to do the same thing that, that were listening and trying to take the advice, but then some of them went too far with that advice <laughs> and uh, caused political problems. But you know, he's trying to, he's just trying to help people, he's just trying to do the right thing. And then you come back to the whole cave analogy where he's gone outside and looked at the sun, and now he's trying to get people to come out of the cave, yeah. And um. People in the cave are trying to not only tie him back into the wall, but they're going to murder him because he's denying the shadows. You know. Yeah, well, because they're the shadows. That's the thing. So we don't want you to the illusion. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you go back to that cave analogy, and right at the start of it, he's like, and some people got get really good at guessing that the next shadow on the wall. And they that's they've got their prestige and their probably their income and their power base attached to that ability to guess that next shadow. And he's coming in going, guys, there's just shadows. And so yeah. you can imagine, you can kind of understand why some people will be like, oh, I don't really care that it's a shadow. This is how I make my money. This is how I'm, you know, my, my, my identity is, is steeped in that shadow. So shut up kind of thing. But, but it's also like their self value and their self worth is in those shadows. Sure. Yeah. So it's not even yeah. their, value to those around them but it's their self value i mean yeah it's like it's like waking up one day and realizing that everything you thought was important is suddenly meaningless and for some people that can put them on a a journey of ah oh, okay it's time to rebuild and let's change the course and make some changes and it can be a really good thing for them and for other people it's like literally the end of the world mm. and um yeah that's i think the bible's got several examples of that which i won't go into but there's certainly cases of people where things go wrong and they have to rebuild and you know some people step up and make it happen and other people get resentful and just double down and get worse yeah. So there's a lot of people doubling down here. <laughs> Alright, I'm um, sorry for that sidetrack. Uh shall we play on? Shall we read the next one? Sure. Okay. Not much time will be gained, O Athenians, in return for the evil name which you will get from the detractors of the city. Who will say that you killed Socrates, a wise man, 
for they will call me wise, even though, uh, even although I'm not wise, when they want to reproach you. If you had waited a little while, your desire would have been fulfilled in the course of nature, for I am advanced in years, as you may perceive, and not far from death. I am speaking now not to all of you, but only to those who have condemned me to death, and I have another thing to say to them. You think that I was convicted because I had no words of the sort which would have procured my acquittal. I mean, if I had thought to fit Sorry, if I had thought fit to leave nothing undone or unsaid. Not so. The deficiency which led to my conviction was not of words, certainly not. But I had not the boldness or impudence or inclination to address you as you would have liked me to do, weeping and wailing and lamenting and saying and doing many things which you have been accustomed to hear from others and which, as I maintain, are unworthy of me. I thought at the time that I ought not to do anything common or mean when in danger. Nor do I now repent of the style of my defence. I would rather die having spoken after my manner than speak in your manner and live. For neither in war nor yet at law ought I or any man to use every way of escaping death. Often in battle there can be no doubt that if a man will throw away his arms and fall on his knees before his pursuers, he may escape death. And in other dangers, there are other ways of escaping death, if a man is willing to say and do anything. The difficulty, my friends, is not to avoid death, but to avoid unrighteousness, for that runs faster than death. I am old and move slowly, and the slow runner has overtaken me, and my accusers are keen and quick, and the faster runner who is unrighteous, has overtaken them. And now I depart, hence condemned by you, to suffer the penalty of death. They too go their ways condemned by the truth, to suffer the penalty of villainy and wrong. And I must, sorry, I must abide by my award. Let them abide by theirs. I suppose that these things may be regarded as fated, and I think that they are well. Hmm. <coughs> um, this is after they've said they've, they've just said no nah, no nah, you can say what you will death so they've agreed that it's a death sentence so this is what he said after they've said you're going to die yeah I, I like the fact that he's I suppose like bothered to point out to them that in some way he's kind of chosen it too and um you know, I could have gotten out of this. You think I couldn't have? Of course I could have. But I don't want to lower myself to, you know, either come to your level and and just sort of tap into the lies and BS machine to be able to talk my way out of it or to, you know, cry and lament and, um, you know, beg for my life um, from people who don't deserve to hear me, you know, beg and all that sort of thing. So... I'm not yeah. going to lower myself to that to that level, and um, you know, uh, maybe this is just what fate decided. So, you know, I'm an old man; might be just my time to go. I, I'm going to go my way. <laughs> big fan of his disagreeableness because yeah. 
I like being disagreeable at times. So I like the way he's just gone. I could have done what you want, but I'm not like you. I'm not a grub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I could have begged and pleaded. He's almost saying you guys are idiots. I could have begged and begged and pled and carried on like you people do. And you probably would have let me go. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, he's pointing at that whole virtue above everything thing. I like how he points out how he's fat and slow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good line. That's some good rhetoric. I know he, yeah. he carries on about like, uh, I'm not going to try to persuade you using rhetoric or anything. I'm just going to tell you the truth. But then he yeah. throws in lines like that and it's like, yeah, yeah all right. I'm old and slow and I cannot outrun you idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's a good line, though. Um, mm -hmm. The difficulty, my friends, is not to avoid death, but to avoid unrighteousness. Mm. <laughs> For unrighteousness runs faster than death. <laughs> yeah. I also like the uh, bit where he points out there, um, you know, that whilst he's condemned to death, that the accusers are condemned by the truth to suffer the penalty of villainy and wrong. That's so just yeah. that's his look. Yeah, he's. I might be yeah. dead, but you guys are unrighteous. Absolutely. But if you wanted to put it colloquially, he's like, I might be dead. Like, I may not wake up tomorrow, but you guys will always be dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might not wake up, but you won't be able to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm. And you know, yeah. Um. I think he said this in the Republic as well at some point. Um, yeah, for neither in war nor yet at law ought I or any man to use every way of escaping death. Like, I don't think he's saying you can't try to avoid death at all, but he's like, like not every option is permissible to avoid death. Sometimes you just got to do it. This is basically what he's saying in it. Yeah. All right, let's continue, because if we are snappy, we might get there. there <laughs> sure. <clears throat> and now, O men who have condemned me, I would fain prophecy for you, for I am about to die, and in the hour of death men are gifted with prophetic power. And I prophesy to you who are my murderers, that immediately after my departure, punishment far heavier than you have inflicted on me will surely await you. Me, you have killed because you wanted to escape the accuser and not to give an account of your lives. But that will not be as you suppose, far otherwise. For I say that there will be more accusers of you than there are now, accusers whom hitherto I have restrained. And as they are younger, they will be more inconsiderate with you and you will be more offended at them. If you think that by killing men you can prevent someone from censoring your evil lives, you are mistaken. That is not a good way of escape which is either possible or honourable. The easiest and noblest way is not to be disabling others, but to be improving yourselves. This is the prophecy which I utter before my departure to the judges who have condemned me. I'm going to haunt you from beyond the grave. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the um, 
when when uh, the the French king executed the head of the Templars, mm. his prophecy moment. You guys aware of that one? Don't remember. Oh, dude, it's it's legit the best. I won't. I haven't got the quote verbatim, but essentially, as he's getting ready to be executed, he calls out that it's unfair and that the king of France is going to get wrecked, and then he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, hang on. It's so. I have to. I have to look this story up because it's just. It's one of those moments in history that's just epic. Um, <laughs> Templar execution. I do like uh, in this bit though how he's like, you can get rid of me, but people are just. Like, there's always going to be someone that's going to come and upset you and tell you what you don't want to hear. Mm. And basically saying the young are going to do that. So, but I suppose he's been accused of corrupting the youth, so to speak. So, well, actually, yeah, that's how I was thinking about it too. Because, um, like, I think the prophecy he's got is is interesting, and whilst you can sort of like label it like a dying man's curse, almost, I actually think he's actually activating the young men who were his students, and this is exactly what he's accused of. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, and I think it, it is. It's like, hey, guys, don't get sucked into tyranny. You know, this is exactly my last lesson. I want all you bastards in there. Go and question the <laughs> shit out of these assholes. Make their life difficult and prove to them yeah. that they can't shut the shit down, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, he was. Cause that's right. He goes, I guess I was basically holding these guys back. So once I'm gone. You know, you're just going to wear yeah. it. <laughs> Have at it, boys. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read out this uh, Prophecies of Jacques de Molay. Um, now, how true these are, I don't know. They're just historical cool things. So check this out. So, <laughs> Philip IV the Fair, in the desire to destroy the Order of the Templars, burned the Grand Master of the Order, Jacques de Molay, and the 37 knights of the order accused of heresy at the stake, who so happened to have a similar wealth value of the king, <laughs> which uh, he took. Uh, when the Grand Master saw the stake, he asked his executioners to face him towards the cathedral. Please let me join hands for one last prayer. I'll die soon, and God knows it's unfair. But I tell you that this misfortune will fall on those who unjustly condemn us. So addressing the Pope Clement, he said, you will die within 40 days. Clement V died 33 days later. The second one he said was to King Philip of France, known as the Beautiful. He said, you will die by the end of 1314 that year. Uh, Philip died on November 29th, 1314. <laughs> Addressing the French monarchy, he said, the French royal house will definitely fall within the 13th generation of Philip IV. Uh, Louis XVI was effectively the 13th descendant of Philip IV and the last king of France. Hmm. Um, and the last one was Interesting. to the papacy, this will end within 700 years. And it said the death uh, by the year of 1314, both Pope Clement V and King Philip IV only reinforced the common idea that he'd fallen victim to injustice, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's pretty weird that like that's the that's the legend. The legend is he called out to these two guys that have just shafted him, 
the Pope and the King. You're both going to die for this injustice. <laughs> and uh, it happened. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I think that's also the reason for Black Friday. Oh, okay. It's either Black Friday or Friday the 13th. Actually, I think it's Friday the 13th. Okay. Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the 13th of October 1307, scores of French Templars were simultaneously arrested by the agents of King Philip, later to be tortured and killed. Friday the 13th. That's where the whole it's an unlucky day thing comes from. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for that sidetrack, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> when I read that, I'm like, oh, oh, I've read something like this before. <laughs> but my question yeah. is, because I don't know this outcome, was he right? Did they come after them hard? I don't know. Um, I, I think when, like I mentioned before, when I was trying to um, research Miletus, there wasn't much about him, so I think he just kind of faded into obscurity. So I don't know. Maybe this did sort of like seal his fate, so to speak, and like whilst he got the, the judgment he wanted to get, you know, Socrates put to death, maybe everyone just thought he was a bit of a tool after that and he just kind of dropped out of the main circle or something. Mm. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. I mean, Socrates got the last laugh because everyone knows who Socrates is. Nobody knows who Miletus is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, there's some pretty interesting stuff here too. Like, um, if you think that by killing men you can prevent someone from censoring your evil lives, you are mistaken. Like, I know he's specifically talking about his buddies coming and questioning him, the younger the generation, but there's something in that too. Is like, you can shut people up, but that doesn't change what you are. And if that's not relevant for today's society, I don't know what is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he did put in that... <clears throat> I can't remember that bit was uh, where he put that barb in there about that they need to still, um, you know, take a look at themselves. Yeah, the easiest and noblest way is not disabling or silencing others, but it's improving yourself, which is kind of yeah. almost what you were saying earlier too, Tim, when you were talking about that Peterson stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, what is it? Uh, yeah. What are you looking for? Which part? Oh, no, no. You were talking about Peterson. Um, <laughs> that might have been one of the things he said at the lecture, wasn't it? Like, don't criticize something or something. I don't know. He says a lot of stuff. <laughs> he, well, one of the things he says is don't compare yourself to someone else, but to who you were yesterday which is a good thing. Um, so that's about self-reflection and and examining your own life. Yeah. Yeah, but like he's, he's Socrates is basically saying that again here. He's like, you're, um, you're not going to get any better if you just shut people up. You've got to, you've got to do some self-reflection and improve yourself, which is, you know, once again, what he was saying earlier about a life unexamined. 
Yeah. Like, if you're the kind of person that hears criticism, I mean, not all, not all criticism is justified or correct, but if you hear criticism and your response is shut up and you don't even take a second thought to consider mm-hmm. whether there's something in that, then, yeah, you, you're not going to improve. Yeah. yeah. Easy said. Easy said. Difficult to do, I suppose. But... Do you think he's almost um, like I know it's called Plato's apology, but when he gets down to it, it's basically he's basically he's basically explaining why there are some people you shouldn't apologize to. Oh yeah, completely. More or less, yeah. Well, I know apology can double as a term for explanation, I suppose, but I think there's something in that too. Yeah. That, that definition would make more sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have a question for you guys. Uh, we still have a whole page to go, and we're in over an hour. So do we do like a longer episode, or do we pause and complete next week? What are your thoughts? Well, the last bit from here, he goes in and talks to, he starts to address the people who are on his side, his friends and the people who voted for him. And then he talks a little bit more about life and death. So we could probably leave that for another episode and then do a half of that and then half of a summing up or something. Yeah, I think that's a good sense. Because I don't want to rush through it. It's been really good so far. Yeah. All right, I've turned the corner on the top right-hand page. And we'll pause there. And uh, let's head to the pub for lots of us, I reckon. Yeah, so lots of us. I actually haven't got a theme for this week. Um, so, do either of you have something you want to talk about? Not specifically, mate. You can't spring that on us. <laughs> I just wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> what did I do? I read uh, recently read Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, What's that and about? Is it a love story or? Yes, yeah, it's about love. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's written by a guy who was an actual sailor who took a steamboat down the Congo. Um, but it's not about him. It's about a fictional character, about a bloke that takes a steamboat down the Congo um, and finds stuff at the end. Like to, yeah. Anyway, it's really interesting. The only reason I raise it is because I then just circumstantially watched uh, The Dark Knight. Oh. Well, what's the one with the Joker in it? Whichever one. I think it's the one behind it. I thought you were going to say uh, yeah, Jungle Cruise with The Rock. No, <laughs> no, I, <don't. laughs> I watched, yeah, I there's a link here. I don't know, it's, it sounds tangential. But, okay. um, yeah, and then, you know, the Joker, he gives that little speech in there um, when Batman's interrogating him, but I don't think I ever really understood that until... Why would I want to kill you? <laughs> yeah, that bit. Um, <laughs> but there's a bit in there where he... he, he uh, that oh, made more sense after I read... Um, Heart of Darkness. So basically, 
what what I think clicked was that Joker's mentality in that movie is um, the same as the the style of morality that's described in Heart of Darkness. It's very interesting. Okay. I wouldn't be able to go into too much more detail than that, but uh, that was an interesting link I made. It's um, not a super long book, is it? No, nah, short, really short. Yeah. I'd seen it on the like sort of like classic fiction list of like stuff you should check out. Yeah. Well, I had a problem. That's the reason I read it. Cause it's one of those books that keeps coming up as, Oh, this is one of the classics. Right. And I'm like, yeah. sure. Sweet. I'll read that. And then I'll like to read it. And then I'll listen to it. I listen to an audio book version of it. And I'm like, sweet. And then I go on this on the internet and you look for lectures. Cause usually you can find pretty decent like internet lectures and that and university level stuff and good discussions and stuff. But all I could find was university lectures where they wanted to talk out about the author being a racist and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, can we, just, <laughs> like, can we get some interesting discussions on, on, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was written in, I think 1870 or something like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Probably not going to be on the same page as we are now. What do you expect? <laughs> Man, you watch a movie from the 1980s and uh, you're not going to be on the same page you are now. So, Yeah, so I was a little bit disappointed. Sure, long story short, I was a little bit disappointed in, in some of the discussions I could find on the internet on it, but um, yeah. I didn't suck the yeah. out of it. I did then go and watch um, Apocalypse Now, which is based kind of the themes I've translated into that Stanley Kubrick uh-huh. movie which is about a boat that goes down a river in Vietnam to find someone. So it's, yeah, that was interesting. Very different from the book, but interesting. Peter's done a lot of commentary on that, though. Um, I think there's a, hang on. yeah, there's a, a Reddit post or a Quora post about someone discussing this and how much Peterson's looked into it. Into what, sorry? Into the Heart of Darkness. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, maybe I can find some lectures by him or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Cause hmm. he, he talks about that quite regularly. That that, the Dark Knight. That is a fantastic movie. Uh, I'm just going to yeah. quickly click to this. It's going to quickly what? Oh, hang on. So you've also got two of my other favorite movies behind you. You've got Thor Ragnarok, which is oh. I love that. But Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh my gosh! We you know the whole episode talking about that movie. Maybe we should one time. You know, the, the funny story about these posters, they're not, they're not actually chosen for the movies. Um, <laughs> what happened was we painted the walls a certain color and then we got a lounge and we put the lounge in. It didn't work with the walls. So we needed a color palette to break it up. Um, and then we liked the color palette in the Ragnarok poster. We're like, that's exactly the color palette we want to match the cushions. Um, we're like, but we can't, we can't plaster that right across the wall. So we need something to break it up. So we're like, oh, that one in the middle, that will break it up. And then the, the, the one on the other side was like the exact same color palette. Um, so it was really purely just like an aesthetic choice. It didn't really have that much to do with the movies themselves. I mean, I'm in a cinema room, which is why you've got movie posters up, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to see you. Oh yeah. That Blade Runner movie, uh, I, I think I've watched it through it have to be five times hmm. and every time I watch it I just find more gold in there I'm like this is 
It has to be one of the most recent good movies. Uh, at least, at the very least, um, one of the few recent movies that has any real depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved it. Have you seen it, Lachlan? You would have seen it. Yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah, great movie. And the first one, yeah. have you watched that as many as the second one? Uh, possibly more. Ooh. How many times yeah. have you watched the first one? Qu- quite a few, because uh, it was kind of a seminal thing, like, b- before the second one was even a thought, you know what I mean? Mm. Um. So, um, yeah, I've watched it quite a lot of times in younger years and all that sort of thing. But yeah. How old do you think your kids have to be to watch Blade Runner movies? Oh. Yeah. I reckon they'd be pretty bored by it until they get a bit older. Well, That's still a bit, bit shocked by some of the... Um, um, the, the violence in the second one, I think, like the, yeah, the yeah. character. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be some uncomfortable moments oh, in yeah, there. I forgot about those scenes. Yeah. Where he creates the chick and then just, nope. Kills her. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the wrong model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. <laughs> now, talking about very similar things, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen um, the the TV series for Westworld. Yeah, I haven't. I've only caught the first couple of episodes of that finally, and uh, it's it's got had some similar vibes going on for oh, some yeah. of that. Hundred yeah. percent. I haven't seen the latest season. Um, but that's that's a good show. I won't say too much. That's a good show. It's it's like at the start anyway. It's like the opposite of the Republic, and it's like let's give you all the recipe for like complete debauchery, and see what humanity does in that scenario. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it's just. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just, you know, murder, mayhem, and sex, all, all as expected. But, but <laughs> in, in, I only caught a, uh, I don't know if it's like sort of towards the end of the second episode or the third episode or something, um, someone who's truly good kind of comes to town, right? And so there's like a bit of a paradigm shift that seems to be happening. So I'm curious to see if he stays good or if he or if he goes bad in, in such an environment of the good man can exist. It's quite funny, but I just kept on putting like the, the Republic sort of playing over my mind while I was, um, while I was watching it. But um, yeah, it is interesting. It gives you a lens to sort of look at things, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but that's pretty cool, Tim. You should, you should definitely um, watch that series. I will. I use a different lens than the Republic. So I'm interested to hear that you use that lens. The lens I use is a very blooming complicated lens, but it's um, ever since I read Maps of Meaning by Jordan Peterson, that has been the lens that I look at every story through. Hmm. It is, it's a tough read. I will grant you that because it's, I think he used to use it as his university lectures for his students. So it's not really, it wasn't, I don't think it was set up to be a book to read initially. And then he kind Hmm. of, made it into that um and it's got lots of diagrams and images to sort of help you 
get your head around it. And what I did was also watch his talks from 2016, 2017, when he was still doing lecturing at the universities on that particular topic, because he did a whole subject on that, on his own book. And so I think it goes for like 15 videos at two to three hours each. Hmm. Like just super extensive, and what he tries to look at is um, tries to define what makes a good myth and what makes a good story, um, and works through different examples that people are aware of, like Pinocchio and Harry Potter and Star Wars and all that sort of stuff, and hmm. points out like what what actually makes a good hero's myth and what is good mythology and it's it's epic it's really good but geez it was a it took a long time and a lot of investment of time to to read that sucker because it's massive and then to <laughs> with it it was massive yeah but it just changed the way i look at everything hmm. and it helped me understand why new movies suck yeah because <laughs> <laughs> they don't get it they don't understand that's why the new Star Wars movies were garbage. Yeah. But Mandalorian works because they stick to the old formula. They don't try and do this new crappy postmodernist formula. They do yeah. they do the proper hero myth formula and it's it's great. Yeah, Lucas apparently read a book that was sounds similar to that. I can't think of the name of it, but it was it's a really famous book that essentially talks about the perennial myths. Sounds like a similar thing to what you're talking about. Mythology, isn't he? George Lucas? I thought he did like a full degree in it. Yeah, probably. And the, yeah, there's some famous book that a lot of those people from that era were interested in. I, if I can think of it next week, I'll let you know what it is. I, I can't figure it off the top of my head. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, one more movie to discuss before we wrap it up. The other movie for... Um, blowing children's minds and I mean teenage children is um, I got my son he watched Inception with me a week ago <laughs> he was just like <laughs> and he just kept getting to the next question like huh? what if he's yeah. not awake and I'm like yeah that could be a problem and, and then I realised <laughs> the thing about the spinner that he walks away from it, and he's like, he 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 didn't keep his totem. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why? Why do you think he didn't keep his totem? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, maybe he didn't care. Maybe he finally got what he wanted. And so he's <laughs> like, I don't care about that anymore. You know, while since I've seen that one, I have to refresh my memory. Yeah, it's I'm a bit so the same. Good. It's so good. I'll have yeah. to check it out again. Oh, I just figured out what that book was. I was thinking of um, Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces from 1949. Um, very similar to, I, I don't know whether it's similar to that Peterson book, but it's a similar idea about what makes a good myth and thing like that. And apparently George Lucas was really influenced to it. So like all those basic mythological ideas from Star Wars apparently came from that cat. Yeah, interesting. Allegedly. No, it's good. All right, well, we'll wrap it up there, I reckon, because we're almost at an hour 20. It's a big one. 
But uh, one more, I reckon. One more. <laughs> and then that's book. That's our third one done, and we'll have to decide what <laughs> no. to do for number four. Absolutely. So, right. Yeah. Told you. Told you it wouldn't be done today. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember, uh, the Republic wasn't built in a day, and neither is getting through the last three pages of this book. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Please. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Bye.